Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Thumbs up. Oh, nice, dude. Can you see me waving my hand? Michelangelo has something to say. <laughs> Fire away, man. What are your thoughts? <laughs> Just happy to be here with you guys. Just happy to be alive. That's it. Very grateful. I've got my computer resting on a very fancy advent calendar right now. It's like a box of chocolates. I was going to ask, is it filled with chocolates? It is. Nice. I'm a couple days behind. I think I have three days of chocolate to eat. Nice, sweet. man. Yeah. Sweet. That's good. Literally sweet. Mm-hmm. That's surprising. Um, just because when you were down, I still I can't get over. You ate that whole box of cookies when we were watching a movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was disappointed at the time because I wanted one and they were gone. But I was impressed as well. Get your own, dude. I literally bought those. So, <laughs> and that's not an exaggeration. What, uh, well, two questions, very important. What movie were y'all watching and what cookies were they? Were they Chips Ahoy? Soft? We were watching Return to Me and they were Milano's Double Dark Chocolate. Whoa. Mm-hmm. What is Return a little to bit me? of a guy's night in. It was a guy's night in. What, what is that? What is that movie? Late 90s chick flick with Minnie Driver and David Duchovny, man. And Bonnie Hunt and Bonnie Jim Hunt. Belushi. Mm-hmm. Jim Belushi being as Jim Belushi as one could imagine. Wow. Like the buffoon dad with a low emotional EQ. I've never heard well of that said. movie. Yeah, very well said. What's, um, well, should we put out a spoiler alert just in she dies. time here? She dies. <laughs> Actually, there's uh, well, like, shoot, a woman shoot, dies a right woman at does the die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, wasn't it on the top 100 Catholic films on the Vatican or something? It was. There, there was some list from some year, sometime, that was the top 100 Catholic yep. movies, and it was on there. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen that list now that you mentioned yeah. it. There's that pretty detailed um guys there are I got, a, a couple references to god in it and the rosary and things like that but other than that not there's very definitely Catholic. there's there's yeah. a reference to the rosary yeah all right that sounds like very catholic <clears throat> <laughs> that's pretty strong that was a good um, movie I, I was entertained and it was an excuse to eat 15 milanos it was a very enjoyable evening. I wish I do <laughs> admittedly wish I could have had a Milano or two. <laughs> nope. Not today. That's just yep. It's true. It's true. Noted. One Noted. or two. Well, speaking of things, last night I saw our friend Joe Pug for the first time in a while. He was in nice. town for a, a concert. Two things. That's an awesome segue that I'm definitely gonna steal in the future. And that's an awesome <laughs> fact that you just shared. Speaking of things, that was a Scott Harderism. Thing, saying <laughs> words. Um, <Yeah. laughs> that's good. How is he? 
Doing well. It was a great show. It was at the Unity Temple in Oak Park. It was the, not the original venue, but the original venue is supposed to be at uh, canceled programming cool. for the season. So <clears throat> it was at this Unitarian church that was designed by Frank Lloyd Wright. And uh, so it's kind of like a historical landmark. And it feels like the House of Commons. We were in kind of a mezzanine level type of you're kind of like looking down on the stage, so to speak. Um, but the seating is in choir, like in three sides around and then in like these mezzanine layers, like not, not very far up, but definitely above the like lower level or the ground level. So it made for kind of an intimate setting, which was cool. Did he ask about us? Want to hang out anytime? (laughs) (laughs) No, but we did. He, he did invite me into the green room before, before the show and we caught up a little bit. His dad was there. And I, my line to him was, oh, you he does your drugs because of his song, I Do My Father's Drugs, which is one of his wow, songs. Wow, nice. That's good. Nice. Um, did it go off it better did, than it did just right there? No, it got about the same amount of laughs. All right. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's, well, if you have anything more to share on that, that is cool. Um, but... I, he has a great monthly email newsletter. Yeah, just came today. It did. And I'm going to read the, he put in there like a short story, like a fiction short story from a magazine or something like that. That Mm -hmm. could be wrong, but I'm excited to read it. Haven't read it yet. Excited to read it. Yeah, it's called The Enthusiast. He's just, he curates cool things to watch and read and He's very good at it. Like, I don't read anything that's emailed to me. Like, Mm -hmm. but I read Megan's monthly monthly PDF poetry. Mm -hmm. And I read Joe Pug's email. That's it. Yeah. How do we tell people to sign up for that stuff? MeganUlrich.com or something? Megan, can you please help us? Put it in the show notes how how they can sign up for your thing and for Joe's thing. Megan's is very good. Yep. There, there hasn't been one that I haven't read and also mm-hmm. enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, that's just good. But all, almost all of hers is uh, auto-generated content. Like, yeah, I think she just she, gets an AI bot to just put words together. Which no, is unfortunate. that's not what I meant by that. <laughs> that's not what I meant. It means, <laughs> hello, don't manipulate my words, okay, bro. <laughs> Because like we Joe Pug, spam, I get spam from three dogs north at gmail.com. <laughs> that's like service to create. We can create AI generated blog content for a low price that gets lots of traffic and just like amount of scams. Have we explored that? Yeah. <laughs> so what are the what's the asking price? <laughs> <laughs> you just imagine like a robot is making up a story. Just oh, dude. I, yes, yes, I can imagine that. That's real. Do you think you've ever read? That's a question I've not contemplated until just now. Do you think you've ever read something written by a robot and been like, that was a good thing I just read? Yes, absolutely. I haven't, probably. Absolutely. I definitely think so. 25... Uh, 80s movies with crazy Easter eggs you'd never believe, and you have to like click through a million things. 
to get to one pack. <laughs> you click on this, don't you? I've, I've done it like a half a dozen times, and every time I've been like, why did I do this? It's the same thing as before. Where why am I? I? Why am I clicking through this This is slideshow? the worst part of the internet. No, I'm sure there's way worse parts, but to me, it's one of the worst I go into. Yeah, it's pretty clear like a robot made that 100%. Yeah. yeah dude i work for the army you better believe they have like said hey robot create this doctrine workbook Mm. yeah wow i've heard of some stories of some intense programs um i i listened to was it an npr episode um oh this american life is that Mm -hmm. a podcast yeah yeah i listened to an episode where a lady worked through her grief through a conversation oh yeah with a robot yeah those instant messengers one that like it can mimic human responses yeah and it was like a pretty intensely complicated robot and and it had learned certain phraseology and like story writing ability and Mm -hmm. um and so she got into a conversation about it about the death of her dad and Mm. Um, was trying to get the computer to, to help her write it and it ended up being more like a wall that uh, it, it helped her to break through generic grief so that she could get to her real authentic feeling wow yeah Ooh. but she was like it's pretty dang convincing man that's some good stuff that they wrote like that would make a good story hmm. it would create stuff like when i was young when i was 10 i remember this memory when you know my dad gave me a flower and the sunlight was there and I was in this red dress and the robot created that story as a wow. memory. Yeah. It's that intense, dude. Mm-hmm. And wow. I think they can run tests that the level of AI, um, it, it would be like uh, testing to see when one of the big gauges is if a human can determine if a robot wrote something or not. Yeah. Is that the Turing mm. test? Yeah, that's it. Yep. Yep. And like 50% of people fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there an that- interesting book I wrote? It was John Searle. I think it was like Minds, Brains, and I forget what the name of the book was. It was a short little book on kind of like philosophy of the mind. And he had a lot of these sort of thought experiments of like what, what makes consciousness? Like, well, you know, is that... AI robot because it can mimic if it could mimic human emotion and everything like perfectly well is that for all intents and purposes a a mind you know because all I I just kind of um, postulate that your guys's inner experience is like mine because when I talk to you you respond like a human being and um, so I think that you're you're like me you have this whole inner life of consciousness and mental activity that's hidden from me, but I see it manifested through what you say and do and behave and stuff like that. So could a computer ever do that? Um, or, you know, is our brain the thing that like the hardware that the software of the consciousness is just kind of uploaded to and all those ways of kind of thinking analogically about consciousness. But the one that I thought was the most interesting was, um, was uh, a thought experiment where you have two people on either side of a wall with a little place to like slip notes through. And on one side of the wall, you have a person that speaks Chinese. And then on the other side, you have a person that doesn't speak Chinese, but they can, um, 
they can like they have a whole Chinese to English translating book. And as they get the notes passed, they tra- they look at the note, they translate their response or they translate what they said, write a response, translate it into Chinese and then put it, you know. So effectively, the person thinks they're talking to a Chinese speaker, but in fact, they're talking to a person who doesn't, but has like the ability to process the information in a way that mimics conversation. Um, that in a way that's like what the computer is doing to that woman is that it's got all of this, it's got this a way to process artificially, but it's not actually responding mm-hmm. the way a human being in a conversation does, you know, mm-hmm. they're not keyed into the person. And that's what, what a, uh, a mind like Walker Percy calls it the, um, triadic creature that the human beings are the one, whereas like a bird can chirp or a deer even like makes a noise and flips its tail up and like has a way to signal and communicate with other ones of their species. But what they're doing is like just like a signal to create a behavior reaction in the other. It's not like I see a hunter better be careful. You know, they're not signaling to this third thing and pointing to it and saying, that's the thing I see. And then like, I'm making a signal that then implants that idea in your mind and it's just like, I react, I'm scared. So you get scared too, you know, um, or a mating ritual or something like that. You're just trying to create a reaction in a person that's sub-rational. Um, so that only the human being makes a sound that means something. In other words, like only we can mean or intend, which is like to point outside to something mm. else. Dude, so... This is something that I've thought about a lot before is when when we talk about being made in the image and likeness of God, like what does that actually mean? And I don't, I think it means more than just like our bodily component, our bodily composition is the image and likeness of God. But, you know, and kind of per our conversation, even before the podcast started is like, and what you're hinting at or what you're saying right now is that our words are there's nothing else like it in reality mm-hmm. and machines can, can do like an animal instinct, um, algorithmic process of response, but it's, they're not creating it on their own. It's still, it's still totally generated. It, it's not actually created. It's totally generated. And you know, when we talk about the, like, what does it mean to be made in the image and likeness of God? I think it's also significant that like John's prologue, the word was made flesh mm-hmm. um, in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. And we have this word that we can speak. And I, I think that's actually kind of closest to, I think it's really significant that that's sort of like the image and likeness that we share with God is actually this word that we speak, which is why like during mass, it's hyper emphasized that we all share our word and we listen to the word and we speak the word and the word affects the sacraments and it has this like supernatural power to it. And that's why like words are so weighty and powerful because it's not like anything else. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think it actually is like other, other dimensional, or I don't know what you would say it like supernatural, right. this fact that we can speak a word <clears throat> and I, I think that's all kind of embedded in that conversation there is like words are totally different than everything else. Language. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
And so like, what does it mean to communicate that stuff? And this will be my last thought and I'll, um, I'll pass, I'll pass the word on to you guys. <laughs> mm, thank you. <laughs> um, in C.S. Lewis's uh, space trilogy, I talked about this before, Paralandra, it's one of my favorites. Mm. They go to this preternatural planet and um, Ransom is the main character and the evil one has possessed, uh, I, I can't remember if it was like another scholar or something, a friend of Ransom's. Like a scientist. Yeah, a scientist. And he follows them to this preternatural planet and and he's trying to walk like a human being which makes me think of the Men in Black character, who yeah, puts the, the skin bug. On. <laughs> yeah, I need sugar, sugar. <laughs> with my water. Water, sugar. sugar. <laughs> and he says, and the lady, the lady reporting to the Men in Black, he's <laughs> asked for sugar water, sugar water. As he's walking around the planet, Ransom, the main character, talks about seeing him, and it's like he was walking like a person trying to walk like a human. Hmm. <laughs> And they, they actually call him the, funny way the unman, the mm-hmm. unman. And it's mm-hmm. like, so what is the authentic expression of humanity, the authentic expression of words? And I think computers are always going to be trying to express what humans would say. Mm-hmm. But that's a, that's a level removed. That's not what a human said. That he's, not, he's not a person. He's walking mm-hmm. like someone trying to walk like a person. I was just learning to love, 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 love. <laughs> <laughs> Robots, dude. Mm. Well, do you think that this uh, emotional <laughs> robot can is ever going to become self-aware and do a Skynet? I don't know what that mm-hmm. means. Well, we're gonna need to have a judgment day, like a T two judgment day situation. Probably, I hope yeah. so, dude. I'd love to fight a robot. Mm-hmm. I've seen all the Terminator new movies, man. Like <laughs> it seems, seems like it. Yeah. I never saw the Christian. Well, did I see the Christian Bale one? Wasn't there a more recent one? Yeah, probably on ten spot. years ago I, at this point. I, I think that was the one that Christian movies. Bale got recorded having an absolute conniption fit at a lighting guy do you remember this i do remember that Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh good for you (laughs) during the during the filming of the terminator resurrection or something like that anyway interesting um the arnold ones are all good I this could uh, pivot this a little bit. But it's just something that I'm interested in. I just listened to the day. Actually, Porter told me about Father Gallagher has on the Discerning Hearts podcast. He has like three or four on um, the letters of St. Therese and the letters of St. Zelie. And so I started listening to them today and he was just given a precursor on the letters in general. And he was... I don't know. It's just a very simple conversation, but it was cool to hear him talk about how really, I think it was a, a Cardinal Newman point that he was saying, if you really want to get to know someone from the past, like if you want to know them personally, you should read their letters. Like that's how you, that's how you can actually get to know them. And he was making some cool, I don't know, just like talking around even like Therese is an example of someone you know, her really um, great work is Story of a Soul. But then the letters are like so cool and supplemental of like helping someone to get to know her personality or sense of humor, family dynamics, context, all all of that. 
Um, I just thought it was cool. You know, he he pondered something that I thought of, and he was like, you know, in today's world, it'd be like, um, you know, someone could, in a sense, take thirty emails that you've sent, and by reading them, get a pretty good pulse of your personality. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh shoot. <laughs> um, honestly, is what I thought because I'm always in a hurry when I'm emailing people. But uh, dude, and there are know, literal just... email writing programs that will like AI write your emails for you. I think. Yeah. The yeah. autofill. Have you ever done that with like your phone, where you just autofill the next thing that it thinks you want to say? Like, okay, thank you. Yeah, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yep. I, already, I think the letter writing thing. We're kind of a little bit removed from that. Huh. Um, but I, yeah. Well, why does that fascinate you so much, Rob? I don't know. It's just interesting of, um, I don't know. I've just been, just been pondering, pondering that it's, it's true of, um, like that expression of, of language in a particular way allows you to, um, convey, you know, um, convey affection convey truth like convey a lot of things in a unique way yeah um so one of the things that gallagher talked about with therese Mm. was she she's never self-referential referential in her letters Hmm. it's always about the other person oh that's interesting yeah and so he said that's something that like he picked up on after reading extensively her letters of like it's never about her um, like that's just, it's very, I, I don't know. It's just intriguing, you know, mm-hmm. of like what type of insights could be garnered is there. It's always wild to me. People from that era, like John Henry Newman was slightly before her, but that they have all these letters. People saved the letters. Mm-hmm. Like in story of the soul, she has all her mom's letters and stuff. And even Newman in a, his autobiography he pieces together his life by his own letters that he wrote people, hmm. um, which makes me think, did he carbon copy every letter he wrote and then like file it? I did um, not know that about him. Yeah. That's it. He says in the beginning of Apologia Provita Sua, that, which mm-hmm. is basically like a defense against those who claimed after his conversion that he, all this time he was in the Oxford movement, you know, as an Anglican priest that he was actually a crypto Catholic and he was like, surreptitiously stealing people away you know but he so to basically say like no i was i was wrestling with these ideas of like how do you um, reconcile that there's an english church with its own hierarchy and structure but it's still an apostolic church a a lower c catholic and so he had all these letters he wrote to people that kind of proved i mean you could fake it i guess but he was sincere in his his in interrogation of the idea you know right and his his faith um but i'm like i don't know how maybe you could your emails (laughs) are all logged somewhere in a cloud that's gonna outlast civilization but um they're not as certainly not as like robust as as these letters that people are writing and to the point your point about therese's letters they also carry with it sort of like you brought this up i think one of you two brought it up from a c.s lewis idea that in heaven we see god face to face but we also see with each other like how how we 
our expressions of God's love or like our own relationship with God is then kind of revealed to us in a way that makes God's love even more multifaceted or more perfect and, and beautiful. You know, each person that Newman or Therese is relating to in these letters is bringing out a different side of them, you know, or a different aspect of their heart. Uh, so that's another cool thing about it is it's just, it's shows that we're relational, you know, it, Therese's story is to someone it's to Pauline, but, um, those letters too are, you know, to all these other people. And she had all this love for, for everyone, you know? Yeah. So it gets, you get a glimpse of it, which is cool. Yeah. It's words are, it's so cool. It's also like how we sing, um, our voices, like some of the most beautiful stuff that we can create is with our voice, with our word. And they're all different, but they can all be harmonized and unified. Like there aren't a lot of things in creation that are as flexible, but also as um, beautiful and objective, like words mean stuff. It's important. There's an objectivity to it, but there's also subjectivity to it. And I don't know, it's, it's pretty powerful. Um, does think you made me think I, I read blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati's um, letters to his family and friends. And it's just a compilation of letters that he wrote. Um, and he's such a cool saint. Like I love him and I could not get through the book. Mm. It was so boring. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I thought like, ah oh, man, I want to like this guy cause he's so fun and cool. Um, maybe I'll have to go back, but it was like a lot of stuff to his parents. Um, very, very a lot of reverence towards his family and hmm. uh towards his mom and his dad like a lot of um love and kind of submission as a son and um like please forgive me father for failing these courses and apparently he wasn't <laughs> the best student but um he's out at all night adoration and taking care of poor people giving away his clothes giving away his shoes and his money he can't do everything <laughs> one of yeah. them's got to suffer <laughs> that is not why my grades suffered when i was in college <laughs> i will say that wasn't because of your your penance and works of charity my apostolic zeal was not a barrier to my academic excellence <laughs> <laughs> to put it to put it mildly <laughs> yep <clears throat> other things were though we'll just leave it there oh, that's funny Words. Can I give one last little, um, well, I think I saw the coolest scene of a movie that I've ever seen in my entire life. Mm. Bold statement. Yeah, I know. I know. And when I, when I saw it, I thought about pausing the movie and texting you guys that exact line. I thought about it. Okay, let me guess. Hang on. I'm going to take a shot. Yeah. Mm. Mm. <clears throat> it's a war movie. Oh, I was gonna. I'll, I, I was gonna. That. I was gonna say. I don't think it's from Return to Me, but like just <laughs> narrowing it, da- narrowing it down. Okay, let's. Well, tell us the movie, and maybe if, if we've seen it, we'll know which scene you're talking oh, about. Yeah, the scene. Okay, so do you mean tell you the scene? Tell me the movie that the movie. it's in, and I'll guess if I know the scene. Oh, great. Okay, Fury. Mm. Which is this is not the an age movie. appropriate movie. Let me just caveat that. 
keep away from children. Okay. The coolest scene in Fury. The coolest scene ever is in Fury. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I well, the scene I'm thinking of is not the coolest scene ever. It's a really intense scene. So I don't know. Okay. Well, maybe I yeah, either I'm ahead. wrong I, or you guys are wrong. Which scene? There's there's a scene, so there's a relationship in the movie where this tank team is uh is battle-hardened. They have a lot of history together. They have a leader that they trust and a lot of different personalities and they speak a lot of really strong words. We'll just say that, all right? Um, and a, a dynamic of that team is that they bring a new guy in, a newbie, and you as a viewer follow through this kind of, uh, horror of war with him. And you get to see like the disgustingness of it and see how it affects him and impacts him so that two things happen. He kind of, the old self dies both good and bad, I'd say, but he also gets integrated into this team. And that whole process, it, it made me think a lot of what we talked about the last podcast, which was this desire for mentorship. And you need somebody to actually show you the ropes of what this looks like, what this feels like. And I watched it like shortly after that. So that was kind of like firing off in my brain. And as he's brought into the team, they grill him. They grill him because they kind of hate him because they weren't there when they were in the stuff. Mm -hmm. And here's this newbie. And he's replacing to, a friend who died, right? Yep. Yep. 100%. And here's this newbie who's trying to cling to ideals and they had to let go of ideals because it brings hope and they're just like, we're realists. We're, we're over that. But there's something good about him being on the team for them to see that. And that's voiced even throughout the movie. But there's two things that happen in this scene. That's the best scene of all time. They just made this big decision to be courageous and kind of stupid and mm -hmm. make this like big glass stand. And they're in the tank and Shia LaBeouf's character, they call him Bible. He kind of gives this like pre-war sermon. And it's a reference to Isaiah 6, which is this really cool line. And Shia LaBeouf nails it. I mean, it's just like unbelievably good. And he describes and, and walks through the entire verse of Isaiah 6, which culminates with like the enemies are coming and who who is god going to send to defend my people and isaiah stands up and says send me lord send mm -hmm. me and it's like that line send me actually i found this out later it's like from my soldiers from my experience it's one of the most tattooed verses you know, from my entire unit is mm -hmm. isaiah 6 send me because they've all seen that movie and they were like this is like the coolest thing i've ever heard wow. so it it touched all yeah. their hearts but then immediately following that, there's this coming like this moment where they bring the the new guy into the team and he takes this bottle of whiskey and mm -hmm. he drinks it. And one of the guys, you know, says some choice words and says, man, you drink like a you drink and smoke like a machine. And they're like, that's your nickname, the machine. That's your war name, yeah. the machine. And they're all like laughing and joking and they're smoking and drinking inside this tank. And it was all around this, like this word that Shia LaBeouf spoke, um, but coupled with like this word that they gave to this guy that was like, mm. you're now on our, you're one of us. And it was like right before this big, beautiful scene was kind of horrific scene, but it was before they became like a team. And that was yeah. the moment 
where they brought this guy in as one of them. And I was like, man, that's so true. Like I see that played out. I see it played out very, that was very authentic expression of a moment like that. Um, Mm -hmm. I've never seen a a movie that combines all that stuff together. Hmm. So it was, it's one of my favorite scenes. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, do you think that one of the reasons it tugged at your heartstrings especially was because you're the only one of the three of us that doesn't have a nickname? You At the time, I had not thought of that, but that rings very true. <laughs> <laughs> do y'all know that's the number one question that I get about the podcast? Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, just the it, fact that we're getting questions about the podcast makes me feel good. So That's true. <laughs> like, but do they like... What happened? The decision making process there. Juice Seabisk and Michael Metz. <laughs> it's not even Mike Metz. I, I can't Metz. even get my actual nickname that I use. Right. Hmm. It was a good idea at the time, though. It's it still, worked out okay. Yeah, it, it sure has. I wouldn't change it. Unless y'all are open. That is to a great it, movie. Do it. <laughs> no, I'm close to it. That is one of the great one of the great movies. It is a hard one to watch though it's it's Dang, pretty i haven't horrible. seen that in a long time i want to watch it again just the, just that scene yeah the scene that was that i thought of is not a great scene but it, it's very striking and is stuck in my memory is when they go in the house of the people in the town mm-hmm. oh yeah um that's scary yeah that is remember so that sense yeah and then there's a scene where uh brad pitt's character like makes him sh- the new guy shoot a guy doesn't mm-hmm. isn't there mm-hmm. that movie yeah, yeah that one always stuck out that. to me yep yeah it really was yeah Oof. yeah yep it's it's um i would not say it's the best movie of all time but that's one of my favorite scenes i've ever seen in a movie um, as unique too because it was a it was like part the part of the war you don't really i didn't really know that much about which is like germany's basically lost but they're just like putting coats and helmets on 12 year olds and sent, you know, like mm-hmm. last ditch effort. Yeah. Um, so it was like the, the initiative was out of people's mind. Like it was just like, this is just a grind to get them to finally surrender. It wasn't like the maybe more purposeful, even if horrific parts of the war where you're like, okay, D day, we're going in, we're fighting, we're on the March. It's just like the mop up, you know, it's a fait accompli. We already know what's going to happen. It's just how many people have to die before, the bureaucrats tell us we can stop fighting. So that was interesting, but hard. Um, but then also the whole tank thing, like, I, you know, just the, the team in the tank, I, I wasn't really aware of how many people went into that whole thing. And like, yeah. there was that one fight between the, when the tanks all met in the field and like all the maneuvering and stuff. And it's very cool. Oh, very crazy, cool. Dude. And how superior the German tanks are. But yeah. I, so I, I had no interest in watching that movie until the third infantry division from Fort Stewart came up for that, uh, JRTC rotation that we did. And they brought a bunch of tanks. They brought tanks and then panzers or they brought tanks and yeah. And panzers. And then a couple of like, they have tank medical vehicles. Hmm. They have like the, the cross on them and they had tank treads on them. And it's like a part of their tank team. It's super duper cool. But that guy's a really faithful Catholic who was the commander of that this portion of the third ID that came up. And so he reached out and he was like, dude, you got to come over here and bless all my tanks. And I was like, dude, 
you got to drop a pin because I'm on my way. I would love to bless some tanks. That sounds that awesome. Drop a pin because I'm on my way to bless some tanks. Yeah. And there's like this That's a great whole video. culture. Oh, man. It was so cool. They Did you they, put that on our Instagram? Have you? Uh, I haven't put tanks? anything on our Instagram, but I'll send it to Megan <laughs> and maybe she can put it up there. To, okay. John okay. Okay. Great. Yeah. 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 I will. Um, and it was like this kind of invitation into tank culture. And a part of what they take pride in is they will brag about how many days it's been since they touched ground because they want to live they in, sleep the, in tank. the tank. Oh yeah. Oh it's like gosh. a sign of prestige. If your boots are wow. totally clean. And so it's like oh. this whole little <laughs> culture. It's like little the, brotherhood. Uh, the, yeah. It's like you wow. guys shooting the, um, howitzer or whatever the what is the big cannon you guys shoot the howitzer yeah cal. yeah that don't wear earplugs like these weird little culture things that prove what a mm-hmm. what a ba you are yeah and they still have traditions my boots are clean and i can't hear anything uh-huh that's why i'm awesome at my job oh yeah, yeah I'm 25 <laughs> i'm 25 i have the hearing of a 90 year old <laughs> <laughs> like please you're yelling at me please stop yelling okay (laughs) well good talk guys yep later dudes thanks later skaters see ya follow free dogs north on instagram Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.